0: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast USFL Week Four Preview Edition. I'm your host Ian Hardison. Great day, talk some ball. Why the hell not? NFL Draft is behind us. Live football continues though, courtesy of the USFL. And I, my name Ian, have enjoyed. Truly enjoyed, not just saying that the first three weeks of action. Is it better in the NFL? Is it better in college football? Nope. But until those things start happening in the spring, I will continue to enjoy the USFL, XFL, whatever the hell they throw our way next. So with all that in mind, let's go through some of the best players in the first few weeks, power rankings, DraftKings preview, and then get some gambling picks and get out of here. So have this article up on PFF.com as I do every week, previewing the games and then reviewing them again on Monday. So thanks again, as always, for tuning in. And let's have a great show, everyone. Why the hell not? Want to give a quick shout out to about nine players after three weeks of action. Again, as someone that, whether well, fortunately or unfortunately, has watched just about every single minute of this league so far, uh, these guys have really stuck out. And particularly after you know, kind of digging in some of these analytics that PFF provides, you know, behind behind the old paywall. So Houston Gamblers running back Mark Thompson, basically the USFL's version of Derrick Henry. I mean, this dude is six foot two, hundred thirty five pounds, a freaking bulldozer with the bar in- with the ball in his hands, and it's been that way all season long number one in rushing yards and we've only seen really Derek henry and nick chubb pull this off in the nfl but if you take mark thompson's yards after contact that number is actually higher than the second leading rusher in the league just has total rushing yards. so number one in usfl rushing yards mark thompson number two is mark thompson after contact dude has absolutely been balling out he's already 27 or 28 years old so i'm not so sure if there's an nfl opportunity waiting for him you know around the corner either way 5.8 yards for. Carry 4.8 yards after contact, 16 forced missed tackles on rush attempts. Nobody else is even in double digits. Fantastic start in the season for Houston Gambler's running back, Mark Thompson. New Jersey Generals QB DeAndre Johnson, former last chance U star, leads the league in yards per carry at 6.4 also leads the league in yards per attempt so no it's not exactly been the prettiest yards per attempt you know we see this conversation with Lamar Jackson and Jalen Hurts all the time but guess what when you're facing someone that has this sort of dual threat ability defenses can't play them the same good luck you know doing just pure man coverage turning your backs to DeAndre Johnson for you know 10 seconds during a play so DeAndre Johnson has been splitting time with Luis Perez but last week for the first time all year he did take every single snap of the second half by himself so New Jersey generals two and one on the year their best version the best upside version of this offense involves deandre johnson taking every single snap here's the hope and that's the case more weeks and not here moving forward New Orleans Breakers quarterback, Kyle Sloter, my pick for the USFL's best quarterback thus far. Mostly saw this in week two, didn't have the hottest start of the season. And then in week three, predictably, as he was our fate of the week, wasn't able to get going against that Birmingham Stallions pass rush. But you look at the, you know, just receivers, he have been able to enable with Johnny Dixon putting up big time numbers. Uh, Jonathan Adams making some big plays more on them in a second. But yeah, what? Kyle Sloter has done with this Breakers offense, I think shows that he's worthy of the kind of the NFL attention he's gotten in 2021. He spent some time with the Vikings and Raiders practice squads and showed you guys, you know, those preseason highlights from the Vikings days and even the Broncos days a few years back. I do think Kyle Sloter has earned the chance, especially with a couple more good weeks here down the stretch, to get back on the NFL roster, even if it's only going to be for a couple preseason games in August. Mentioned them before, but top two receivers for Kyle Sloter, Jonathan Adams Jr., and Johnny Dixon. What Adams did in week two, again, just still has me convinced that he is the best wide receiver in the USFL. Still just 23 years old, and just to see him go up one handed, have the body control with the two point conversion uh, to get both feet in bounds, make another contested catch later. Jonathan Adams has the highest ceiling, I believe, of any skill position player in the NFL, particularly once you kind of look at his age and how much he could still be get better, uh, you know, into the future, hopefully gets in the NFL opportunity and former Ohio state receiver, Johnny Dixon, Number one in the league in receiving yards. Tied for the top spot in receiving touchdowns, second in receptions. At Ohio State, I mean, you looked at the way they kind of used Dixon, man. Like every other one of his catches seemingly went for a touchdown. It was him, Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell out there. And Dixon had a lot of work, more so as a field stretcher. Again, kind of a one-hitter, quitter type of player for the Buckeyes. Score a lot of touchdowns. We've seen him do a lot more stuff in the underneath and intermediate areas of the field here in the USFL. So 27 years old, not exactly a spring chicken these days. But I do think Johnny Dixon has helped show that he has, uh, you know, rounded out his game more so than maybe what NFL teams thought of him coming out of Ohio State. And finally, on defense, just four players on the season have at least 100 snaps in a PFF grade north of 90. New Orleans breakers edge Sharif Miller is the top-grade defender in the entire PFF uh, database. Houston Gamblers cornerback Will Likely has been fantastic. Nobody has a higher PFF coverage grade on the season. Pittsburgh Maulers edge defender Carlo Kemp has also been fantastic, but really, in my opinion, the most, de- most uh, impressive defender of the USFL's first three weeks of the year, Birmingham Stallions edge. D'Andrea De- Tillman. D'Andrea Tillman. Sorry for messing up that name, bro. 24 pressures on the season. No other defender even has more than 13. So, you know, we're going to talk about this Birmingham Stallions pass rush a lot more throughout the year. We've already been touching on that ever since week one. And they pressured the generals on like 66% of their dropbacks. But truly, I mean, 24 pressures through three weeks. Nobody else more than 13 credit to Tillman for really wreaking havoc from start to finish in the league, as well as the rest of those aforementioned players. Now for the Week 4 Power Rankings. Number one, got to be the only undefeated team left with the Birmingham Stallions. Didn't even get a great performance out of Jamar Smith in this offense last week, but didn't matter. I mean, this pressure rate just continues to absolutely just caused so many problems for offensive lines of all shapes and sizes. Stallions have pressured opposing quarterbacks on 48.7% of their dropbacks, no other team even above 33%. So that's Stallions pass rush, even on bad offensive performances, gives them enough juice on defense to cause problems for just about anyone. Number two team, New Orleans Breakers, only loss of the year, came last week to the Stallions, still have the league's best point differential, though, at plus 28. I think the best version of the Breakers is the best version of a uh, team in the USFL, because Kyle Sloater in that passing game can put up points about against just about anybody, and this is also the P- uh, PFF's single highest graded team defense on the year, so... Maybe they don't have like a single positional group that's quite as dominant as that Birmingham pass rush, but I think the offense is a little bit more consistent. And the Breakers and the Stallions played 10 times. I do kind of lean the Breakers, probably winning six of those. So, based on what we've seen this year, Breakers, I don't think deserve to be the top team. That's the Stallions. Nobody has beaten them yet. You know, uh, not rocket science to figure that one out. Uh, but I do, I would say there's a teardrop uh, after the Stallions and Breakers to the rest of these teams. Number three, Tampa Bay Bandits, two and one on the year. We're able to snap out of that, you know, six quarter six-quarter funk they had from uh, you know, like week three to base, excuse me, from the second half of week one all the way uh through the end of week two, had had a week high, you know, 27 points going on last week. Jordan Tiamu finally looking better, just not seeing a ton of goodness from Todd Haley, and the defense hasn't been all that great. So, based on these quarterbacks, and we got some injuries that we gotta talk about, unfortunately, later, uh, you know, not being great, but I think Jordan Tiamu, even if Slaughter is better, even if maybe DeAndre Johnson offers a little bit more juice. Uh, the fact that they are now trusting Tiamu again as the full-time quarterback. You no know, Brady White last week. I still think that the Bandits have a pretty nice ceiling. Number four, New Jersey Generals talked about DeAndre Johnson a bit already. Only have 19.3 points per game, but let's turn it over to the guy already. I mean, he—if you want to run the ball this much. 43.6% pass play rate in non-garbage time situations, easily the lowest in the league. If you want to do it, fine. Just put DeAndre Johnson under center for a full game and really use this lethal rushing attack because it's working for him with all you know all, all credit due. Because last week we had this funny stat at the end, uh, you know, quick uh TV, you know, graphic they were showing where it was like last three drives, they'd run the ball in 20 or 23 plays, but they scored 17 points doing it. Like just because you run the ball a lot doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing at lower levels of football where it can actually be more efficient than whatever your passing game's doing. Again, please DeAndre Johnson under center full time. If we can get DeAndre Johnson as the full time quarterback for the generals, because he's only taking 35% of their dropbacks this year, I would probably put them ahead of the bandits more weeks than not Number five, Philadelphia Stars. Ah, this one sucks. Brian Scott- one of the better quarterbacks of the first you know, th- uh, two weeks of the season, unfortunately suffered a knee injury, and he is going to be out for the foreseeable future on the inactive list. He kind of gave a little notice on Twitter saying he's hoping to be back as soon as possible, but is going to be missing some time. But yes, this is the league's most pass-happy offense, and Case Koukas was out there doing some pretty decent things last week. I do think that Koukas is better than a lot of these quarterbacks in the league still, so I'm not going to penalize the Stars nearly as much as I would other teams for losing out on their starting QB with the Houston gamblers Clayton Thorson is playing a little bit better than maybe I've given him credit for so I'm willing to you know listen to a conversation about having the gamblers as high as probably fifth on this list tough to go too much more at the end of the day though it's tough for him to get too much going because this is probably the USFL single worst offensive line. Dead last in pressure rate allowed at 43.4%. Also dead last in yards before contact per carry at 0.6. I mean, it's just going to be tough to win too many games when you are getting beat up in the run and pass game at the line of scrimmage. Final two teams, the power rankings, the Michigan Panthers, beat the Pittsburgh Maulers last week, meaning they get spot number seven. But yeah, fighting Jeff Fisher's legal marks in passing yards and passing touchdowns after 12 quarters of play. One passing touchdown, 388 passing yards. They had 72 total passing yards last week and a 24-0 victory. So, hey, I would not put it past Jeff Fisher to finish the season at 500, but I think they have their work cut out for him. Finally, with the Pittsburgh Maulers, Josh Love, in terms of our big-time throw rate statistic at PFF, has popped as one of the better quarterbacks in the USFL. Now, big-time throws, I think it's a little more of a play-style statistic than necessarily someone that we want to target for fantasy or even real life for that matter. I mean, you know, to to have a big time throw you need to attempt a big time throw first and you know if it's, if a quarterback is willing to maybe take the more sure thing underneath that might be better than making you know trying 10 times out of 10 that tight window uh, honey hole shot down the sideline so biggest problem though is that they went back to Kyle Luletta last week for basically you know making this platoon with Josh Lowe that they had in week one defense hasn't been great all year long Kirby Wilson is always making headlines for the wrong reasons Pittsburgh Maulers I you know I got to give the Panthers the edge here because they just won 24 24- Nothing, but I really don't think the Maulers are significantly worse than the Panthers. They held a fourth quarter lead over the uh, Philadelphia Stars, you know, in week two. I don't think the Maulers are like clearly in this bottom tier by themselves, but it'd certainly be a lot better if Josh Love can get back to having that starting job. So, great stuff there from everyone, and shout out to our number one ranked team, the Birmingham Stallions. All right, everyone, let's get going with some DraftKings goodness now. Once again. Got to pay attention to these injuries. I know we got screwed on the Reggie Corbin thing last week with the USFL uh, Twitter account saying he was going to be inactive, ends up running for 130 yards and a touchdown. I would like to think that's not going to be uh, you know, an every week occurrence. Other than that, they have been pretty good throughout the season of letting us know when guys have been hurt or not. So with that said, I've gone through you know all the USFL team accounts gotten the injuries to this point i'm recording this on thursday afternoon at 1 but really you guys need to before you set your lineups just go back through the team accounts real quick because they will tell you who is you know questionable who's out and who's even has a chance of being active so i did put together a usfl twitter list that just has all these team accounts as well as uh, you know etr legend cody main on there always appreciate his usfl analysis so if you want to go to my twitter at i go to my list and i have all the usfl guys in one spot to make life Easier on you. So, with that said, some injury situations to keep an eye on at quarterback. Stallions quarterback Alex Magoo was supposed to be the week one starter. He was the week one starter. He got injured in the second quarter and that allowed Jamar Smith to come and lead the Birmingham Stallions to this 3 0 start. I will say this though Jamar Smith last week really wasn't all that impressive. He threw a nice touchdown to Victor Bolden in the fourth quarter. But early on, uh you know, we had that play that Shannon and Skip were breaking down undisputed, where he threw the screen to Marlon Williams. Breaks five tackles on his way to the end zone. Hard to give Jamar Smith you know, credit for <laughs> too much credit on the screen touchdown that goes for like 45 yards. So if Alex Magoo is going to be back and healthy this week, I think Jamar Smith has played too well overall to completely hit the bench. But at a minimum, I will expect them to go back to a platoon, basically rendering each guy as a non-viable fantasy asset. Houston Gamblers quarterback Kenji Bahar was out last week, which made Clayton Thorson a reasonable GPP play. Just make sure Bahar is going to continue to be sidelined with this hand injury before going back to well with Clayton Thorson. Talked about Philadelphia Stars quarterback Brian Scott being out with a knee injury. Case Cook is Philadelphia QB1 season. More on him in just a minute. And Panthers quarterback Paxton Lynch with an ankle injury. He's on the inactive roster now, but listed as questionable. If Lynch is going to be out of the picture, it is going to be Shea Patterson taking every single snap. So, quick look at some of the week three stuff from these quarterbacks. Shout out to my lovely co host, Dwayne McFarlane, currently chilling on a beach in Cancun. Lucky mother effer. Uh, but he was kind enough before going to the beach to put together his handy dandy utilization report. Again, you can find all this stuff on pff.com that I'm talking through as well. Shout out, YouTube subscribers do have the screen share going on with all this. So, looking at the quarterbacks you can see that in this league uh tough to necessarily find one that is taking every single snap last week only kyle sloater for the breakers clayton thorson for the gamblers jordan tiamu for the bandits and jamar smith for the stallions were out there for each and every one of their team's dropbacks tiamu technically at 98 percent because they're using john franklin a little bit and some wildcat stuff but come on he should be out there more times than not we did see brady white a little bit in week two so i do worry a little bit about tiamu who's facing the stallions this week week that pass rush and there is a chance that he's not going to be out there for every snap so probably will be fading tiama this week but sloater and then thorson and jamar smith depending on the status of uh, magoo and uh, kenji bahar should also be there with the Maulers. Josh Lowe, Kyle Luletta, don't want to deal with it. With the Panthers, Shea Patterson, reasonable enough GPP play if Paxton Lynch is going to be out of the picture. Just make sure you keep an eye on that. Mostly, though, I want to focus majority of my roster construction on Case Cookus and Kyle Slaughter, who I'm most confident in being out there for the uh, entire game. Also, DeAndre Johnson with the Generals. I mean, he is the most fancy friendly quarterback in the USFL. I mean, you look at some of these numbers here for rushing usage. I mean, 18% of the team's design rush attempts 25 uh scramble right here like deandre johnson is just easily the most fantasy friendly quarterback in the usfl he's worked as the freaking like top four uh he's worked as a top four fantasy quarterback despite only having uh 35 of the dropbacks on the entire season so yeah overall this week kyle Sloter, deandre johnson and case kukas will be my top three quarterbacks i'll be trying to get the most exposure to talk about that a little bit in my favorite play section with Kukis, uh stacking him with uh, Jordan Sewell who ran 100% of his routes in week 3 makes a lot of sense DeAndre Overton was right there at 86% and Bug Howard emerging as you know the USFL's version of Kyle Pitts the tight end that actually plays wide receiver and we call him a tight end anyway uh, Bug Howard's 77% route rate so if you are going to roll with the stars in case Kukis would look to stack him with again Suell Overton and Bug Howard as for DeAndre Johnson you don't even I probably wouldn't stacking with anyone because of how much the generals just run the ball again and again and again and they don't really feature any one receiver more so than another guy so with DeAndre johnson 88 8800 bucks you know he has costing you a lot but there is so much value at running back wide receiver alike honestly i think just completely not worrying about the salary cap at all because you're always going to have more money because you can get these like starting target hogs for like $3,500 at the bottom of the salary scale. So don't feel like you need to spend more money just to spend more money because if you do that, we're going to have a lot of lineups suspending of up to Jordan Tiamu and some of these other guys when the better plays might legitimately be 4K plus less. Favorite fade, mentioned Jordan Tiamu, having that matchup here, you know, against the Stallions, it's not looking good. And we're not completely sure that Brady White's out of the picture. He was terrible in week two. I'm happy that it didn't go back to him in week three, but it is still something that we have seen uh, this offense do once. Can't assume that they're going to be done doing it the rest of the year. At running back, a couple situations to keep an eye on. With the Philadelphia Stars, Matt Colburn was active last week, but only ended up playing 18% of the offensive snaps. He did practice in full. He's going to be out there again, but he was still listed on the injury report. So with Darnell Holland, uh, with his hamstring injury, still remaining on the inactive roster, looking like Paul Terry is going to be a workhorse again. I mean, last week, only had three running backs have at least 50% of their offensive routes and only have three running backs play over 70% of their offensive snaps. Paul Terry was one of those guys pal. The other two, Jordan Ellis and CJ Maribel with the Birmingham stallions running back. Jordan Chun hasn't played all year uh, due to this hamstring injury, but he has mixed in some limited practice. So we have uh, seen this kind of in the USFL where it's been two back committee Running back number three gets healthy, and all of a sudden it does uh, become a three-pronged attack. I would expect that to happen in Birmingham if Jordan Chun is healthy enough to suit up. So right now, C.J. Marabeau firmly in you know cash game lineup consideration and just being one of the highest projected running backs on the slate. But if Jordan Chun is going to be back, I would expect him, Tony Brooks, James, and Maribel to split things up a little bit more evenly. Finally, New Orleans Breakers running back TJ Logan missed last week with that foot injury, led to Jordan Ellis, our top-ranked running back, playing 80% of the offensive snaps. Larry Rose was used as more of a pure backup. So if Logan's back, yeah even if Logan's back, like Ellis is not out of the picture. Honestly, like I kind of take the bump down and projected ownership with Logan back in the picture. Um, I do think they would go back to more of a two running back room and Larry Rose would just kind of be the odd man out. So unlike with, uh, you know, if Jordan Chun's back, I'm out on CJ Maribel. If somehow uh, Darnell Holland's back, I'm out on Paul Terry. But even if TJ Logan comes back, I wouldn't be against uh, riding with Jordan Ellis. We were on him last week, but even before finding out that Logan was out. Looking specifically, though, at last week, again, I kind of already mentioned the thought process behind our top three plays because there's just only so many running backs that are getting this sort of usage. With the Bandits, though, BJ Emmons continues to be the likely more used running back. At the same time, though, Jawan Washington, who – Profiled as more of the scat back, he's actually getting plenty of the inside five attempts as well. Ultimately was able to outscore B.J. Emmons last week and the week before when they had more negative game script. He was out there for most of the time as well. So still lean B.J. Emmons as the RB1 in Tampa Bay. But Juan Washington is a threat to really just t- take over during any given week. Talked about Jordan Ellison, the breakers already with the Houston Gamblers, gave Mark Thompson a ton of credit before. And he really is just, you know, their beast of a workhorse there. Dalen Dawkins is going to stay involved, particularly on some of the pass downs, but Mark Thompson is out there against some targets as well. So yes, uh, it's one of these situations where it's not quite as one-sided as some of these other backfields, uh, with the breakers, with the stars and even with the, uh, uh, yeah, those are the two main ones. But with Mark Thompson, I mean, look, the guy is a threat to get 20-plus carries during any given week. He's firmly in, you know, the running back pool. New Jersey Generals, I'm going to be fading Darius Victor, last week's RB1. He just keeps scoring on these inside-the-five touchdown attempts, but Trey Williams was actually the one out there making more guys miss and working for more of the game overall. 61% of the snaps, 60% of the routes for Trey Williams last week. He really is getting all the great utilization. But if anything, guys, DeAndre Johnson is going to be out there more. He's a threat to be taking away the inside the five stuff like Darius Victor. That's awesome. He got the RB1 finish last week, but he projects to be the third most used rusher in his backfield during any given week. That's a situation I want to stay away from. Pittsburgh Maulers, Garrett Groshek, Madri London, they go back and forth during any given week. It's tough to get a read on this offense. And just based on Josh Love, Kyle Lilletta, showing the sort of floor last week, the first team in the USFL to get shut out, not a situation I'm looking to actively get behind. Michigan Panthers, full-blown three RB committee with Reggie Corbin, Stevie Scott, and Cam Scarlett. Last week, Corbin led the way, but and he looked good out there. I mean, you know, putting all the inactive uh, bogus shit aside, like Reggie Corbin did have himself a good game, showing off, you know, a little bit of that stanky leg in the open field. But with these three running backs in an offense, we're not expecting that much from more weeks than not. I'll probably be fading most of the Panthers. Talked about the Stallions and the potential for Jordan Chun to come back. Otherwise, C.J. Maribel is looking good. Same thing with Paul Terry and the Stars should uh, Darnell Holland remain sidelined. So, yes, favorite plays, Jordan Ellis at 6,400, Paul Terry at 3,300, and C.J. Maribel at 6,600, assuming that those other guys are going to be out of the picture from the injured, uh, uh, injured side of things. Again, though, B.J. Emmons, Mark Thompson, Trey Williams, if you want to go off the grid a little bit, uh, these are still lead running backs in respect two-back committees. Talked about why we're going to be fading Darius Victor in that kind of three-pronged generals rushing attack. At wide receiver and tight end, just a few injuries to keep an eye on. Stars wide receiver Brennan Eagles remaining on the inactive roster. Mentioned this before, if you want to stack Case Kukus with anyone, it should be Jordan Sewell, DeAndre Overton, and Bug Howard. With the New Jersey Generals, Jamal Moore was sidelined last week with a hamstring injury, leading to Darius Shepard, Kevonte Turpin, and Alonzo Moore working in three wide receiver sets. I would guess Alonzo Moore would be the odd man out if Jamal Moore is back in action. Just realize, though, this is the league's most run-heavy offense, and so which wide receiver roster might just be no. Turpin's more interesting because they actually, you know, I I love comping all these USFL guys to NFL players that are significantly better, but if they're used a little bit, same, you know, relatively, uh, why not? We're having fun, people. It's May 5th here. Give me a break. Kavante Turbin, though, getting a little bit of that Debo Samuel role in terms of actually lining up as a running back and getting carries. Not just reverses, but Turpin does have that, you know, five rush attempt, five target per week upside. Hopefully they keep feeding him the ball. He does look good in the open field. With the Michigan Panthers, Jeff Badette remains on the inactive roster, is listed as questionable. Joe Walker is still dealing with a little bit of a leg issue. Ray Bolden with an illness is on the active roster, but listed as questionable. So Lance Lenore, Devin Ross, these are the only two guys playing basically every snap for Michigan anyway, because they rotate three tight ends throughout the entire game. So Lance Lenore, yes, we are going back to the well. First team, all air yards. Here's the hope, and some of them are way less of the Prairie Yard variety in this week. And finally, New Orleans Breakers wide receiver Chad Loyum still looking if he do that thigh injury. Even if he's back, I'm fully expecting Jonathan Adams, Johnny Dixon, and Sean Poindexter to work in three wide receiver sets looking ahead at what kind of happened last week in some of these receiver rooms yeah i'm just going to kind of talk about some of the players that are actually viable and are out there for you know majority of their offenses snaps so looking at john franklin for the bandits this is interesting because they actually give him a handful of wildcat snaps per game if there's anyone you want to try to stack with jordan tiamu again i'm mostly gonna be fading this offense because they're facing birmingham but it would be john franklin to get those extra rush attempts and it's just frustrating in tampa bay because you know we had O'Grady have that big week one but he's now splitting things down the middle with the Quan hampton and that wide receiver i mean we're seeing anywhere from five to six guys rotating on any given uh, week so john Franklin only guy from Tampa bay we're especially interested in with the breakers. Sal Canella is a tight end that we can get behind just because he's actually running a route on over 90% of the offense's dropbacks. But more than anything, Jonathan Adams, Johnny Dixon, and Sean Poindexter are our guys. After Johnny Dixon had the overall wide receiver one finish last week, I love the idea of going down and getting Jonathan Adams. He was treated as their wide receiver one last week, had the highest percentage of air yards, had the, you know, 24-yard average target depth. Uh, I'd be shocked if someone as talented as Jonathan Adams fails to, you know, to make more out of that for two straight weeks with the Houston gamblers Isaiah Zuber Anthony Ratliff Williams and Tyler Palka are in three wide receiver sets saw Tyler Simmons get a good amount of run to credit to the gamblers for opening up this offense a little bit getting rid of their tight end for the most part that's the thing about Clayton Thorson I don't hate the idea of going with him in some GPPs just make sure that Kenji Baho is going to be out of the picture with that hand injury New Jersey Generals talked about this before but there's just not enough like we can talk about uh darius Shepard and kavante turpin alonzo Moore having a decent amount of the offensive target share but that pie is so much smaller than most other offenses i'm inclined just to kind of fade this whole passing game again if you are going to look at the generals similar to uh who we were talking about before with the bandits like if we are going to attack these muddled offenses for one reason or another give me the wide receiver that has a chance against some rush attempts that is kavante turpin With the Pittsburgh Maulers, Delvin Hardaway, Trey Walker, and Brandon Mack were the key guys last week. Bailey Gaither did not play a single freaking snap for whatever reason. He wasn't on the injury report. I am not sure what was going on there. With this Pittsburgh Maulers offense, though, you know, they're also keeping Hunter Thedford pretty involved in the passing game. He actually had 27% of the offense's air yards. I'm just inclined to fade these guys a little bit. Trey Walker probably... Makes the most sense here coming off the 88% route rate. I am just concerned, though, about Bailey They're coming back in the action and taking one of these guys out of the picture. If I had to guess which one would be out, it would be Brandon Mack. Looking at the Pittsburgh, excuse me, Michigan Panthers, Lance Lenore, 96% of the routes last week, Devin Ross, 93%. Again, at some point, all these yard models, you know, if they do exist out there, but just the one in my mind is telling us that Lance Lenore is well overdue for a big game. You know, Shea Patterson, Paxson Lynch, I know it's not pretty, but maybe just maybe they throw him a catchable ball at some point. Birmingham Stallions continue to just give us a pretty fancy friendly rotation here at wide receiver. Victor Bolden, Marlon Williams, and Osiris Mitchell are working heavily in three wide receiver sets. Even Kerry Angeline out there at tight end has a 90% plus route participation rate. So, Victor Bolden, only concern would maybe be Jamar Smith actually not playing full time, seeing Alex Magoo come back and then spreading things out differently. But hey, credit to Bolden for being out there and you know leading the USFO in reception so far. The one thing with Bolden though, it's the same thing With Jordan Tiamu. Like, I'm just worried that these guys at the very top of the pricing scale are going to have unwarranted heightened ownership because people are just going to have extra money to spend on their lineup. And it's like, oh, hey, I can have this 7K wide receiver or I can get Victor Bolden in the 9K range. He must be better because he has a higher salary. That's kind of the idea that I'm fading. So, yes, I am going to be fading Victor Bolden this week. It's because of that potential quarterback change under center. And I just think he's going to have unwarranted high ownership because of that price point. Finally, with the Stars, again, if you want to go with Case Kukas, realize Jordan Sewell, DeAndre Overton, and Buck Howard were the key guys last week. Maybe this changes. Like Chris Rowland in week one looked like the best Stars receiver. He was working a lot out of the slot. Then he got hurt, and then when he came back, he only played 14% of the offensive snaps. Maurice Alexander was their best wide receiver in week two. He only played 37% of the snaps last week with them getting healthier as well. So right now, Jordan Sewell He's been out there each and every week. I'd be most confident in Sewell and Bug Howard uh, remaining heavily involved. Overton and Devin Gray are the two guys who I wouldn't be shocked if we see Alexander or Roland kind of get in, make things interesting. Favorite plays at wide receiver, Jonathan Adams, Lance Lenore, and Trey Walker talked about their situations already and mentioned why we're going to be largely fading Victor Bolden at that price point. If you are still looking for you know some extra salary room, which – I don't know why you would be because there is so damn much of it everywhere. But here are, let's see, about eight guys that are priced at 4K or less and ran a route on over 75% of their offenses' dropbacks last week. Gamblers wide receiver Tyler Polka, just 3K, 80% routes in week three. mauler's wide receiver Trey Walker, 3,100 on DraftKings, 88% route participation rate last week. Tampa Bay Bandits wide receiver John Franklin, 3,200 on DraftKings, 81% route rate, and you're getting those occasional wildcat looks. Love me some John Franklin this week, potentially. Panthers wide receiver, Devin Ross, 93 percent route participation rate. If it's not going to be Lance Lenore, maybe it is Devin Ross. He probably will have, you know, far less ownership than Lenore. Pittsburgh Maulers wide receiver, Delvin Hardaway, 3,675% route participation rate. Just tough to really figure out that passing game. Generals wide receiver Alonzo Moore, 3,786 participation rate. If DeMont Moore is out again, Alonzo Moore has a good chance of anyone. It is such a run first offense, though. And finally, mention them with the stars, tight end Bug Howard and wide receiver DeAndre Overton, top two in the offense behind only Jordan Sewell in routes, each only costs 4000 So, with all that said, everyone, Get some best bets. First game of the weekend is coming on Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern kickoff. Gotta love that. Philadelphia Stars taking on the Michigan Panthers. Panthers are one-point favorites. The Michigan Panthers, the team that we all thought was the worst team in the league, is a favorite against the Philadelphia Stars. Miss me with that. I know Brian Scott's out, but you know what? Paxton Lynch is banged up too. And this offense did not look good with Shea Patterson under center. They haven't looked good really other than those first, the I should say last two quarters of their week one game. I'm going with Case Koukas and the stars plus one. New Jersey Generals versus the Pittsburgh Maulers. Generals are nine and a half point favorites. I mean, on the entire season, guys, the Generals are two and one, but they have a plus eight point differential. I'm just not, you know, going to be g- going out on a limb and saying that they're going to be going over that in a single week against a Pittsburgh Maulers team that, yeah, they got smacked last week. But let's remember they did hold a fourth quarter lead against the Philadelphia Stars all the way back in week two. So I'm going Maulers plus nine and a half. To me, that's just too big of a line for basically any. Of these teams to have against one another. Tampa Bay Bandits versus Birmingham Stallions. With Alex McHugh coming back, I'm a little worried, but again, this pass rush, like the fact that Birmingham was able to beat New Orleans last week without even getting a great game out of their offense, just tells you how this pass rush can help them win during any given week. Look, we've seen this happen how many times in the NFL? Like, how did the Tampa Bay Buccaneers ultimately take down Mahomes? Yes, having Tom Brady was helpful, but holding Mahomes in that offense to nine points because of that ridiculous pass rush was how it all started. Birmingham, with that, I think has a chance to win any given game, even without a great offense. I will be taking the Stallions minus three and a half thanks to that pass rush. And finally, the Houston Gamblers versus the New Orleans Breakers. Breakers sitting as four-and-a-half-point favorites, and I will be backing them. I just think that Kyle Slaughter is worlds better than Clayton Thorson. And at this point, the Breakers, we're pretty confident their offense and defense, again, number one in PFS team grades, are better than anything that the Houston Gamblers are putting up on their side of the field. So... Best bets this week. We are five, six, and one on the season. Let's get in the winning, uh, let's get in the winning side of things after this. But best bets, I got the stars plus one, the Maulers plus nine and a half, the Stallions minus three and a half, and the breakers minus four and a half. So Best of luck to everyone out there. Gotta love this league. It's live football. What What more could you ask for in the early parts of May? So feel free to reach out to me on Twitter at iHeartits if you're trying to talk some DFS strategy, gambling picks, anything else with USFL. I'm always happy to talk ball. So thanks again for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Ian Hartits. Until next time, take care, everybody.